Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast for Hope City Church. We pray the word of God leaves you encouraged and hopeful today. series called The Next Step. We're actually ending the series today. And the idea behind the series has been um, just that I think it's important that we don't become stagnant or complacent in our walk with God or in our faith. Like a lot of times we kind of, I always talk about we, we raise our hand, we pray the prayer, we walk the aisle, whatever, and then we kind of park it. And we just go like, we don't know what's next. A lot of times we don't take next steps because we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know how to progress in our faith. But I think it's super important to actually be asking that question all the time. It's like, what is the next step for me? What is God calling me to do? And the next step may be, be faithful right where I have you and just do what you're doing and do it faithfully. But for others, there may be some initial really important um, next steps that, that you haven't taken yet. And that's what this series has kind of been about. So I want you to be asking, um, what is the next step for me? What does it look like for me to take the next step in my journey of faith. And so that's why we talked about salvation. For some people, the next step is the first step. It's saying yes to Jesus. It's saying, I believe in the gospel and I'm going to, I'm going to move from being just a believer, which like 76% I think of America says, yeah, I believe. But I'm going to move from that to being actually a follower of Jesus. I'm going to say yes to becoming a follower of Jesus and, and committing my life to him. And so for some, the next step is that first step. And for others, um, if you've made that step, the next step would be water baptism. So I'm so stoked to see all the signups uh, for water baptism. I'd love to, to, to see more. And we're just going to celebrate that because it's an important public confession of our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. And, um, and so for others, man, if you've been saved, you've been, been baptized or you're going to be baptized, for some, the next step is discipleship. It is literally learning how to become a follower of Jesus. It's not just saying, okay, I made a decision to follow Jesus, but walking alongside other believers who will help you and help each other go, okay, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And we fall down and we get up and we dust ourselves off and we encourage one another and pray for one another and move forward in our faith. And so for some, the next step is discipleship. Um, today, we're going to look at another important step for every Christian, and I think that would be service. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says this. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil or as an excuse to live an evil life, but living as servants of God. Scripture says, use your freedom to become a servant. You are free, now serve. Let's pray and dive in. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for our time together this morning, and I pray that you would just anoint it. Teach us, stir us, um, encourage us, show us what our next step is for every one of us. And um, whether it's one of the things we're talking about here or whether it's something else that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, uh, speak to us, we pray, and let us see what the next step is. And give us the courage and the strength and just willing and obedient hearts to take that next step. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the things that hits you right off the bat as soon as you begin to read the scriptures, particularly the New Testament, is you begin to understand that one of the highest callings of the Christian is to become a servant. And so what we like to do is we like to kind of take the world system of climbing the ladder and hierarchy, and we think, 
and we kind of impose that on the church, we impose that on spiritual things, and, and, and we bring it to, okay, I need to climb the ladder of, of success. And even Jesus' own disciples would kind of do this, like, hey, let me have the seat of honor. You know, if there's a seat of honor to have in your kingdom, let me have it. And so they're thinking, give, give me the prominent spot. And we're going to see that Jesus actually says, okay, I'll show you how to be great. And, and, and what he gets at is, you want to be great, you need to become a servant. And that's the Christian life, is learning to live as servants. So what I want to do this morning is I want to ask and answer a few questions. And these are the three questions we're going to dive into. Why should we serve? Who should we serve? And how should we serve? Real simple questions with real simple answers, but they're super important for us to keep kind of locked into our hearts. So let's, let's go A, why should we serve? Uh, and I think there are at least two, there's many more, but at least two reasons. Number one, we should serve because we were created to serve. We were created to serve. Look at that verse there, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of your work so that no one may boast. Now listen to this. For we are his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the fact that God... Before he created you, he actually prepared good works for you to do. You were created to do good works that he prepared beforehand, is what it just said. So you're his masterpiece, you're his creation, you're his handiwork, and part of the reason why he created you was so that you could do these good works. Just part of the reason why we exist is to do good works and good works of service, and I think that's, that's huge. Now... Man, I'm resisting a huge rabbit trail on this side because we see, okay, yes, we are created to do good works. And we can subtly, if we're not careful, turn that into, oh, I am saved by doing good works. I earn my salvation by doing good works. And he actually obliterates that idea here in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, you don't get saved by how many good deeds you do. You don't get saved by your good works. He says, look... For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. So your salvation, you're not saved by your works. That's what he just said. But you were created for good works. Does that make sense? So we were created for good works, but our good works don't save us and don't earn our salvation. It's important that we get that in mind. So when we're actually serving and doing good works out in the world, we're living out part of the reason why God actually created us, why we're here. But we're not doing it, as many of you would, you would find doing it uh, this way. We're not doing it to earn something. We're not doing it to earn God's favor or to earn God's love or to earn salvation. If you're a child of God, you have all of that. It's all of yours right now. God loves you and God favors you and God is with you and for you already before you lift a finger to do any good work. When you understand that, then good works become the overflow of your heart, like you're just, your gratitude for this God who loves you and created you for such an amazing purpose. And so why should we serve, number one? Because we were created to serve. Number two, we should serve, I think, because we're also commanded to serve. We were created to serve and we are commanded to serve. 
Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. This is an instance where his disciples were asking for places of honor and, and seats of prominence in the kingdom of God. But Jesus called them, his disciples, to him, and he said this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, that is non-Jewish people, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. He's talking about people who take their positions of authority and it goes to their head and they're dominant. Does anybody know a boss like that? Does anybody know a Christian leader like that? Has anybody ever met somebody that takes a position of authority and then lords over people with it? Okay, It's an awful thing to be under that, isn't it? Awful thing. He says, you know that that's how the, the, the Gentiles, those who don't know God, that's how they do it. He says, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be the first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's an amazing example. He's saying, I'm God in the flesh, and I didn't even come here for you to serve me right now. I came here to serve you because you can do nothing to save yourself. So, if you, And you're talking about being great and having seats of prominence, and I've shown you, and now follow my example, I've shown you what being great is. Being great is becoming a servant of all, yeah. serving people. You want to be great? Humble yourself and become a servant. For Christians... Being a servant is not really optional. It's not something to be tacked onto our schedule if we can spare the time. It's not something we do once a year to feel good about ourselves, like buying a cheeseburger for a homeless person and then taking a selfie to show others how much of a servant we are. You know? Like, don't we do that? We go, I'm like, it bugs me. I have one of those things, like a pet peeve. Like, when you see that thing on Facebook, and it's like, and it's like, oh, look. You know, here's so-and-so, and she's a selfie. It's like, man, it's the only good deed you've done in seven years, and you had to tell the world about it. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not picking on people. I, I've, I've been guilty of the same thing, but we've all seen it, right? You know what we're talking about. It's like, did you post that for them, or did you post that for you so you can get the attaboys? And that's your reward. Congratulations. Everybody thinks you're amazing. That's awesome. You say, man, are you really living as a servant? And would you do it without the recognition? Would you just do it because this is what we were created to do? This is what a Christ-like character does. Yeah. So, service isn't really optional. It's at the heart of Christian living. And it's actually a matter of obedience to the command of Jesus. He says, you want to be great? Become a servant. Become a servant. That's what greatness is. So, why should we serve? Because we were created to serve and we were commanded to serve. There's many, many, many other reasons, but those are a good two to start with. Right? B, who should we serve? Now, these are all obvious, but let's just dive in. There's three answers I want to give you, okay? Number one, the most obvious, let's just start there. We should serve the Lord. We should serve the Lord. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is drawing a line in the sand that is making a declaration that you can serve whoever you need to choose who you're going to serve because everybody serves somebody. 
You need to choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. And so obviously we are created to serve the Lord. Psalm chapter 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Serve the Lord. Romans chapter 1 verse 1, others, we are ultimately serving the Lord. And so we're going to talk about a couple other things the scripture talks about about who we should serve. But we need to understand that even when we're talking about that, we do that as an act of service to God. Does that make sense? Hopefully it will once we break this down a little bit more, okay? One of the ways that we serve God is by serving others, is what I'm getting at. One of the primary ways that we serve and honor God is by serving others. And so, number two, who should we serve? The church. The church. And when I use the phrase the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about the denomination. I'm not talking about the infrastructure. The church in the Bible always means the people of God. It's always the family of God. So we think of church as the building. The Bible thinks of the church as the people. The church is always the people. So when I say we serve the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now who's he talking to? Those were his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's writing to them, the Galatians, the church in Galatia. He says, we're called to freedom, brothers. He's talking to those who are members of the church, Christians, members of the family of God. He says, use your freedom in love to serve one another. Now let me read you Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, just the very next chapter in the same letter. And this verse Believe it or not, it's a great verse, but it's ruffled some feathers because look what it says. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Okay, so yes, we do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, wait a second. It sounds like he wants us to give preference to the church. And I would say, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It sounds like he wants his family to care for each other. It sounds like he wants us to see needs and meet them. And so I see my brother and my sister in Christ struggling with something. And if I have the means, if I have the opportunity, he says, I should seek to do good to them. I should seek to serve them. So important. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 as each one has received a gift, that are you gifted? You got talents, God-given gifts and talents? As each one has received a gift, gift, use it to what? To serve one another as stewards of God's very grace. You know your gift is a stewardship? You know what a stewardship is? Think of a stewardess on a flight. A stewardess is what? A servant. They're serving you things, they're taking it, right? They're there to serve you on the flight. It says, and they're not serving you peanuts that belong to them. They're serving you peanuts that belong to the airline, right? So it says, your gift actually doesn't belong to you. It was, a, it was a gift. It was given to you by God, okay? And it was given to you for the purpose of serving others like a steward. Does that make sense? That's what that verse is telling us. So if you have, well, here's what we do with our gifts. We have our gifts and we go, especially some of the more obvious, prominent gifts. I'm gonna just be real and tell you that, um, you know, in a church setting like this, 
the person who speaks or anybody who plays and sings or whatever, or people who see, especially in larger churches where you're seen on the platform all the time. Imagine a church of 1,000, 2,000 plus people, you know, somebody that's just sitting in the congregation, not everybody kind of knows their face or their name or whatever, but if you're up on the platform all the time, they know your face, they know your name, you know, all those things. Um, and what a lot of people do is they desire those kind of positions because they, because they get to use their gifts in ways that bring kind of glory to themselves. Sure. It's, right? Yeah. And I've just seen it over and over again. And I've heard the fights and on worship bands. Unfortunate, <laughs> but why is she leading, um, you know, three songs this month and I'm leading one? <laughs> right? That's a person who has taken their gift and wants to use it to be served. Yeah. wants to use it to get praise and to get something from others instead of saying, I'm the servant of God. Whenever and wherever you need me, that's where I'll use my gift, to bless other people. Yeah. So that's the heart of a servant. Somebody saying, I have these gifts, but I have them for a reason, not so that I can be celebrated, so that I can serve. So I can serve other people. So you don't, you don't have your gifts so that others will be in awe of you. Right? Yeah. We don't have gifts so that others will stand back and clap for us. We have gifts to serve each other. Yeah. And you're going to find that God knows what he's doing. And he will draw together in a family, in a church, in a local body, people who have complementary gifts that bless each other. And so you may have gifts that are visible, but you may have gifts that are less visible. Right? And every one of them is necessary and important to the strength of the family of God and to meeting certain needs. How do you know that God didn't place you here specifically to be a blessing in this body? So this is kind of my other little side uh, pet peeve is, is that this is part of one of the reasons we gather too is that a lot of people kind of quit on church and they go, okay, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And then sometimes you kind of drill down a little deeper on that. Like, why did you stop going to church? This is an epidemic right now, by the way. People who say I'm a Christian, but I don't need church. I don't need to go to church. I worship on my own. I worship on my own. Well, first of all, you can't even, you can't even do half the things Jesus told you to do, like all the one another's on your own. You can't do that. How do you forgive one another on your own? Right. <laughs> How do you serve one another on your own? That's, it doesn't work, right? So, and second of all, that's assuming that church is about what you get out of it. How many times have you heard this? Oh, I didn't get anything out of it. What were you supposed to get? And that reveals that you were actually showing up to get and not with the mindset that what does God have me here to give? So the mindset of a servant is one that says, how can I serve? How can I, I'm looking at these people, how can I bless them? What gifts have I been given to be a blessing to these people? And so we serve the Lord and we serve the church, each other, one another. And in serving one another, it's, it blesses God. And when my kids, when my, when my daughter comes up to my son and says, you know what? Here's the last donut, and I want it, but you know what? I know it would just bless you to have. Like, when she does something to serve him as a father, my heart just, oh, it lights up. And I think the same thing happens in the church when we do things to bless one another. That's why it says, especially to the household of faith. The father wants to see his kids loving on each other and blessing each other. And when they see each other in need, meeting that need if we can. There should be no need that is not met in the family of God. Amen. 
There should be no need. Why should there ever be a, a, a Christian who's connected to the, the body of Christ, the church, who can't pay their rent? Why should that happen? It's, I mean, it's as if we have opportunity, as much as we have opportunity. So, okay, I, don't, I can't do it all, but can you do it, and you can do it, and you can do it, and we can meet this need? Yeah. And that's how it should work. That's what, we, that's what we're here for. Amen. Number three, who should we serve? We serve the Lord. We should serve the church. And number three, and very importantly, we should serve those in need. Those in need. Uh, this is a lengthy passage, but I put it here because all of it's very important. This is one of the most famous kind of stories that Jesus tells. And it's important. It's, there's so much depth here, and this is a teaching unto itself, and I'm sorry that we're not taking the time to just do that right now. But it's important that we get this. And I would bookmark this, go back to it, read it, and kind of just pray and meditate on it yourself because it's a powerful passage. Jesus says this. He's talking about what's going to happen at the end of time and people are drawn to him. And he's going to say this. When the Son of Man, when Jesus returns in all of his glory and all the angels with him, he's going to sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations. And what is he going to do? He's going to separate people from one another just like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he's going to put the sheep on his right side, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? Like, I think I'd remember that. And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, some of the most horrific words I could imagine, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison and did not minister to you? Like, if I saw you, I would have. I would have done those things, Lord, if I knew it was you. And he says, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. He says, when you saw the hungry person and you had extra food and you didn't feed them, you withheld food from me. When you had the means to help and you didn't help. Now listen, 
We've started many, many ministries over the years, a lot of homeless outreach and different things, okay? And I've heard every pushback that can possibly be on this. Well, they got themselves in that situation through addiction, through bad choices, or through whatever. And I go, yeah, we got ourselves into our sin condition by our own choices also. And Jesus didn't let that be his excuse to not help us. So the Christ-like thing to do is not to wait until people can help themselves to help them, but to reach in and help them. Your helping them is between you and God. What they do with that help is between them and God. But your heart of compassion is between you and God, and he notices when we withhold. He notices when we don't withhold, when we bend down and we go, come here, can I, can I help you? What can I do? And this, I just happen to have this story. This is not a yay me because I've had plenty of moments where God had to correct me because I didn't do it. But it just so happened that this is the message I've prepared this morning. And this morning, as I'm walking up, there is a young 18-year-old guy who has slept outside, sitting on the steps over here. And I begin a conversation. He's freezing. His lips are like blue and he's shivering and he's on the steps and he's huddled up and he's doing, this is just this morning. And I walk up, and I know, and maybe God just had prepared me, like, okay, I better get this right. Pass the test, buddy, because you're preaching on this in just a couple hours. And I walk up, and I go, okay, what's going on? What's going on, bud? What's your name? And he tells me his name, and I come to find out, I've lost my parents. Really? Well, I haven't lost them. They kind of kicked me out. I've been going through a lot of stuff. 18 years old, addicted to heroin. I got nowhere to stay. I'm freezing, and I'm starving. Now, I could look at him and I could say, well, it's, it's because you're making bad choices, buddy. It's because you're, it's because you're doing heroin. It's because you're whatever. Well, okay, great. And walk away and be nothing like Jesus. Yeah. We do it all the time. Under a Christian banner. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you exactly what, I'm saying listen to the Holy Spirit in those moments. Because the Holy Spirit may tell you, don't give that, but give this. Don't do that, but do this. But by all means, we can't just walk by. So I look down, and maybe just because, praise God, I've studied this again this week, I look down, and I don't see an 18-year-old who is addicted to heroin and homeless. I see Jesus on the steps. He says, because whatever you did to the least of these, you did it to me. And so in my mind, I'm going, okay, I get to serve Jesus right what do you need, bud? We just got donuts. Praise God. We never get donuts that early on a Sunday morning. We're always like, we're always like last minute service is about to start. Somebody better run and go get donuts. But we got donuts early for ourselves. And I go, guess what? We, we got a half a thing of donuts still left. You need some donuts? That'd be amazing. We got extra blankets and stuff. What's going on? And praise God because of the faithful ministry of uh, some friends that I have over at Set Free Church in Ukaipa. Um, this guy is off the streets today. This guy is off the streets, woke up here after trying to sleep all night this morning, and now is going to be off the streets in a home starting day one today. He said this for a life. He goes, this is day one of my recovery. Day one of my recovery. And I get to drive over there and introduce him to people and go, okay, these people, they've got a program that's going to help you. They've got people that are going to come alongside you. And praise God, I knew where to take them. Praise God for faithful servants that set free Ukaipa who have this ministry going. And listen, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I knew where to take them, and I knew who to call. Because I knew they weren't going to heap condemnation on them. They were going to go, brother, me too. Me too. 
And so praise Jesus that this kid lets me pray with him this morning and lets me give him donuts this morning and lets me take about 45 minutes, wouldn't you say, Elijah, about 45 minutes to talk him into entering a treatment program. And the whole time I'm thinking, I get to serve Jesus right now by serving this guy. When we serve others, this is Jesus' words, when we serve others, those whom he would call the least among you, the least of these, he says, you're serving me. That is, those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are in need of clothing, those who are strangers and foreigners, those who are sick, those who are in prison. If you read other passages like James 1, it talks about the fatherless and the widow. Basically, those who everyone else is running from, we should be running towards because that's the heart of Christ. Anywhere there's poverty and violence and people who are broken and hurting and addicted and sick and wounded, the church should be there, loving and serving them in the name of Jesus and embracing them. Christians are those who are radically attracted to brokenness. And drawn to those in need. Because the heart of Christ is in you. Because you can't see them with your eyes. You have to see them with the eyes of Jesus because the spirit of God has come to live inside of you. And so you can't just go, well, they, you go, ah. God's creation, God's special creation. He loves so much. He gave his life for them. And they're in need, and they're broken, and they're hurting, and I get to come alongside them this morning and love them and serve them in whatever way that I can. What a privilege. What a privilege. Christians are attracted to brokenness, drawn to need. We are the ones who touch the untouchable and love the seemingly unlovable. Our lives should be all about serving the Lord and serving one another and serving those in need. What a beautiful way to spend a life. So how should we serve? Let's in there. How? I know why I should serve and I know who I should serve, but How? How should I serve? Let me give you three things and we'll do these quickly. Number one, we should serve worshipfully. I don't think that's a real word. Good luck spelling it. Okay? Worshipfully. All right? Let me read you Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. It says this. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people. So we just read this. Jesus says, Whoever, whatever you do for them, you've done it to me. And then it says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not serving people. And that means we should do our acts of service as if we're doing them for and to Jesus himself. And when we do that, every act of service is an act of worship. Does that make sense? So when we think of worship, we think of the songs that we go, it's worship time, and then we have the word. Like Worship time is the three songs that we sing, we think, right? What's worship? Worship is singing songs. No, no, no. Worship is a life lived, devoted to Christ. 
Worship is serving those in need as unto Christ. You can serve people and have it not be an act of worship. But scripture says for the Christian, every act of service should be an act of worship. So we should serve with our eyes on Jesus. Number two, how should we serve? Wholeheartedly. It was there in the same verse. It was there in the same verse. Ephesians chapter six, verse seven. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. It's obvious that that means not half-heartedly. Okay? If you're gonna serve... You might as well serve. It's not half-heartedly. Many people do just enough to get by, giving God and the church and the world their leftovers. If they kind of live and spend their lives and their energy for self, I, I, listen, I get stuck in this cycle too. We all have to fight against it. So we spend our energy on propping ourselves up and serving ourselves and serving our needs and our dreams and our visions and our plans and our everything for ourselves. And then whatever we have left over, we kind of, we do that. I remember starting a homeless outreach ministry and we were collecting donations. This is why we have a specific list of donations now. Okay? When we first started that, you know what I got from people? The prom dress they wore in 1972 <laughs> and their broken blender. What is a homeless person going to do with your broken blender? Were you serving the homeless by giving me the broken blender? Or was I the place that you didn't have to go to the dump, you just got to empty out that closet you haven't touched in forever, and it happened to be a broken blender in there? Yeah. It's serving, but it's serving half-heartedly. You didn't put your heart in that. We should be giving our best. We should work harder than anyone else. You serve the Lord, you should serve wholeheartedly. Everything you do, you should do it as unto the Lord and not unto man. And you should do it with all of your heart, with zeal and with passion, giving it your very best because that's what he deserves. You go, well, my, you know, this work doesn't pay me enough to do that or my boss this and that and so you, we justify skimping. And it's like, no, you're not working for this paycheck and you're not actually working for that boss. You're working as unto the Lord. And if you're doing that, then you should be giving your very best. Okay, soapbox. I'm off the soapbox now. Number three. Sorry. Okay. How should we serve? Number one, worshipfully. Number two, wholeheartedly. And number three, and finally, joyfully. Joyfully. Psalm chapter 100, verse 2 again. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. With joy and gladness, not with grumbling and complaining. Many, 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 many people may be serving the Lord and serving the church and serving the world. And I've been so guilty of this. And, and yet do it while you're like, ah, oh, this, and you're grumbling about it. You're complaining. It's like, that's not even, it's like, man, You've, it ceased to be a joyful act of worship at that point. It's like, I'll do it, but it's begrudging and it's grumbling and it's complaining the whole time. It's like, no, God doesn't have to use you or me for anything. We don't have to serve. We get to serve God and we get to serve one another and we get to serve the world. It is a privilege and an honor that we get to willingly choose to do. We should never be forced. A person should, don't let me or anybody else ever kind of crack the whip and force you to serve somewhere. 
Okay, what, what, but what scripture paints is a picture of people who are so joyful over who God is in their life and what he's done and their salvation and redemption and all of those things that they go, where can I serve? What a joy, what a privilege. I get to serve God and I get to serve the church and I get to serve those in need. What a beautiful, joyful privilege. And there's nothing more contagious than someone who serves with joy. And there's nothing that makes a, a day of hard work and service better or easier or more enjoyable than somebody who does it with joy. I, I'm a firm believer that you can take the, probably the most difficult job and if you can do it with a smile, crack some jokes and spur each other on and have some fun, it can turn into an amazing time. It really can. You do it with joy. So the Christian isn't a person who constantly feels like they have to serve, but that they get to serve. It's a privilege and a, Mother Teresa said this. Mother Teresa poured her life out. It wasn't a perfect person, but poured her life out on the streets of Calcutta, opens this home for the destitute and dying, picking people off the street, filled with all kinds of diseases. She said they may have lived in squalor without a soul, but they're going to die surrounded by people who love them and are praying for them and then singing to them. They're going to go out in joy. Their life may have been misery, but they're leaving here in joy, surrounded by smiles and jokes. And she said this, holy living consists in doing God's work with a smile. It's holy to be filled with joy. God's work doesn't have to be drudgery. Serving doesn't have to suck. Right? It can be joyful, and that's what the scripture points out. And so <clears throat> I think using our lives, taking our lives and pouring them out for others is just a beautiful way to spend a life. I don't think you'll ever regret that. I think when face-to-face -face with your creator, if you have spent and poured out your life to serve God and serve the church and serve others, you're gonna go, man, I spent my life well. I spent my life well. And so, we're gonna wrap this up. The bottom line is that we're all servants. We're all servants. We, we, who we serve may be different, uh, we may serve for different reasons and in different ways, but we are all servants. Bob Dylan actually had it right. And he had a song. He had his little, like, conversion moment back in whenever, right? And he had a song called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And I was just a lyricist. You gotta have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. We are all servants, whether we realize it or not. We're either serving self and sin and Satan, or we're serving the Lord, we're serving one another, and we're serving those in but every one of us are servants. Let's make no mistake about that. Let's heed the words of the Old Testament. Let's choose, intentionally choose this day whom we're going to serve and how we're going to serve. My prayer is that we will take these lives we've been given and pour them out as an act of worship, joyfully serving God and serving one another and those in need and doing it with all of our hearts. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for stirring us, even challenging us today. Um, Lord, I thank you for opportunities to serve you and to serve one another and to serve those in need. God, I do pray. I pray for myself and for everyone here and everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that we would, um, that you would create in us the heart of a servant. God, that we would live intentionally I'm seeking to serve you. 
And give us a heart for one another, God. Grow our love and affection for one another. And Lord, no, none of us are perfect. And sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down and sometimes we're down because of our own choices. But Lord, I pray that we would have such a heart for one another that when we look out at our brothers and sisters in Christ and see need, that we would be moved to need it. That we would be moved to do good to one another. And Lord, I also pray that as we go into this world, into our places of work, into the places where we shop and play and do all of life, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the need that surrounds us. It's everywhere. I pray, God, that you would give us eyes that see the need and hearts that move quickly to meet it whenever and wherever and however we can, God. That we would be your hands and feet to a hurting and broken world, God. And in doing this unto you, it would be an act of beautiful worship. And we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen.